Welcome to the latest episode of 115 Miles. Has did you enjoy this episode? This was a definitely much more enjoyable episode than the last one. We didn't fight this time, so that was a good start. <laughs> it was actually the polar opposite, right? We had a really yeah. good conversation, actually, about how to, I don't know, recharge. We talked about grueling work schedules within the work environment and what you should do about it, micro yeah. changes. Yeah, we talked about, um, you know, the uh, role of yourself in, in that space and the role of kind of the, the organization that you work with and, and actually where we netted out was uh, an interesting space. Yeah. Good. And some really good reasons to be cheerful at the end. So make sure you stick around till the end of it. Come and join us at 115 miles pod on Instagram. Check us out there. Leave us a review. We love you loads and we'll see you on the next episode. This is 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kaya. Growing up 115 miles apart, our lives couldn't have been more different, but we find ourselves today with many similarities and outlooks upon life. Join us on our podcast as we take a topical dive into life, work, culture, and everything in between. Good morning, Hass. You are bringing the mustard yellow jumper vibes again. I brought a bit of colour on a gloomy, on a gloomy, stormy, post-stormy day. Is mustard yellow your favourite colour? It's one of my favourite colours. I think it contrasts the the brown complexion pretty well. (laughs) I don't think you'd get away with it as well as I get away with it. No, I don't think I own anything mustard yellow, but I recognise you either wear the same clothes all of the time or you've got a lot of mustard yellow. And I think it's the latter. No, actually, I don't have that much mustard yellow, so it's probably me wearing the same clothes um, all the time. But I don't even know if this is mustard yellow. Actually, it is mustard yellow. It's it's definitely mustard yellow, mate. Yeah. Um, you, you You survived the storm then? Storm Ewan or whatever it was called. Oh, mate, you're not going to talk about a st- the storm, are you, for the for the podcast? Did your kids' school get cancelled? Because no, of it? it was half term, wasn't it? Oh, it was half term. They shut the schools where I was. Did they? Yeah, all this, all safety, my kids. Safety first, Josh. All my you kids' schools were shut. I found myself. I found myself for the first time ever saying to my teenage daughter, "Not in my day." They wouldn't have shut the schools for this in my day. And I feel like I've officially reached parenthood by saying that. I mean, I do think... Oh, sorry. We have to be careful because there, there, there was a lot of damage to lots of parts of the country. But for us down south-ish, yeah, I know yeah. you're not as south as me. It really wasn't as bad as I think it was being made out to be. Of course, it was stormy and there were trees and electricity out and all that sort of stuff but I think we thought the Armageddon was coming right I, I, I think it was the, we, a lot of people were thinking it might be the end of the world do you not just think that everything just gets so sensationalised now I know that there was some bad like it was bad in some areas and it was like the worst recorded wind ever in a certain place and all that I just feel like we like live in this constant state of fear of everything now yeah yeah it, yeah I do believe that um, stuff gets sensationalised because that's what that's what get he- gets headlines. That's what people respond to. If you just said, "Oh, it's going to be a bit windy, stay indoors," it doesn't really have the effect. Now, 
I said all of that and I didn't think it was um, that significant because we were indoors and I probably only had my garden, back garden as reference and it didn't see that bad. But I went to my dentist this morning and he was at some um, do at uh, this sort of restaurant that's on the seafront and he showed me the wind like blowing like tables away and you know and so it was probably more dangerous than we're making out oh no not tables Huss, that yeah, sounds if one of those hit you you'd be gone you'd be in the sea and i you know swim, right? I, but so. i just i can who told you i can't swim i know i just thought i'd throw in a little rumor and just i see can't if it swim though. i can't swim all right i am all splash and no like i get in dash. the water and yeah and i all splash and no dash <laughs> I get in the water and I fucking like I proper hammer it with my arms and my legs and I like I can't look where I'm going or I've got no yeah. pattern and then I like look up and I've gone half a meter nowhere yeah I'm, 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 I'm the same <laughs> yeah I'm the same we we waste so much energy but pure swimming is it's like a thing to behold man you know when you see those really serene swimmers and they just keep going for miles and miles and they just know how to effectively use the yeah. body and energy it's just and they brilliant. just glide I'm not, I'm not they one of glide those. they glide yeah. I'm just noisy getting everyone wet around the pool. yeah and the worst of it is we don't actually know how bad we look when we're doing it it's just when someone like I guess like Leo or Aaron says oh, do you know what you look like a total mess when you're swimming <laughs> <laughs> or when you come up for air right and you're like <laughs> and I, like I say I've gone like half a metre and I think how have I only got this far like I've been are you, for ages. what kind of swimmer are you are you like breathe underwater swimmer or just like take every air a bit of air every stroke I don't I'm not controlled enough to even know what I'm doing there. I can do the breaststroke right I'm alright with the breaststroke yeah in and out pretty good in and out, yeah. But the actual front crawl, no, I I've not even got enough about me to know when I'm breathing. It's just any chance I get, and then I'll like pull in a bit of splashes of the water and it'll make me want to go. Then it'll go in your eyes and then it's just all, all over. But we used to do swimming lessons at school. Did it? Do your kids yeah. do swimming lessons at school? Uh, Robin started to have some. Do you have to pay Maybe, extra but... for them or is it part of the... No, no, it's part of it, but it, it's not... It's not always on. They it, they might do it for a term, um, and they have to drive quite far out of town. So it's a total waste of a school day, really, just for like a twenty minute swimming lesson. So they've got to drive. If she swims out. a certain length, does she get like a certain little bit of material that she has to sew onto a Mate, swimming? Mate, how costume? long have we known each other? A long time. Robin is not one of my girls. It's uh, my boy. I meant he. I, 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 I know. Meant I know. There's. I know. That, I know. It can be. A bit of a mixed name, but I obviously, come on I obviously meant he. Yeah. Um, that's why I said swimming trunks. Um, does he get a little bit of material that he gets to like sew on his? Because if we did oh, like no. a certain, I, no, it's not like uh, it's not like how we. Yeah, it's not where we used to do the certificates and the really accomplished swimmers used to come in and do the thing in their pajamas. Do you remember? Get the brick from the bottom. <laughs> do you remember that? No. <laughs> I think they we do. We never did it in our pajamas, though. Uh, you, you were drinking by then anyway. <laughs> <laughs> when it was time to elevate yourself to <laughs> to a pro swimmer, you started, you were, you were swimming in ale. <laughs> <laughs> but on a serious note, bringing it back to the storm thing. Yeah. It may, like, they... That's not the the first day off school that my kids have had since COVID. That's non-COVID related. They they right. had the day off a few weeks ago because uh, there was no water at the school. 
right? Uh, and it just made me think, like, when the kids were off Friday, it was like a wind day. They sent home, you know, there was stuff online to do home. I took the kids out. We went out for breakfast and had the day off and just was, like, together as a family. I think, yeah. they, I think they should do more of that, man. It just makes me... What, re- like wind days? <laughs> wind, wind days. No, it just makes me think more that, like, you know, kids should probably work less and have more uh. time off of... Like, they don't need to keep working all the time. Uh, I think that's entirely true. However, um, we, you, you and me have privilege, right? You could do that, right? And not everyone can take... Yeah. So, so it, And I'm not making this about that. I'm just saying it's not as straightforward, right? Not, not everyone can just... No, no, no. It'd be the worst the thing. To, some kids, right. you know, children alcoholics, yeah. for example, yeah. having the day off is a, is a nightmare. But what oh, I mean yeah. is, what I mean is, days off yeah. at school, not, not actually coming home, but where they don't have to oh, do like, academic learning. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. There's not enough of that. But we've talked about that, right? Like, there just there isn't enough resources. There aren't enough teachers. They're stressed. It's all about quotas and stuff like that. But I totally agree. And we've often talked about how they get it right in in Nordic countries. How they, you know, they delay the entry of school and they make it much more about playful learning and play and and you know those sorts of things and being outdoors and learning skills. I think that's way way way. More important, you know. Life. You know, Sats. Yeah, I, I think it's sacrilege that year six children in their last year of junior schools are put under pressure yeah. to do a Sats yeah. exam. They should just drop yeah. that. Uh, 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 that exists for funding. That does to show that, like, that is that. There's no. That's testing the schools and the teachers uh, to see if they're doing their job right. That ain't even about the yeah. kids. Yeah. Do you know what's really it's going to be interesting to me. Do you remember um, before COVID, um, if you took your kids out of school yeah, for an unauthorised absence, you get a fine. So the first time we did it, we went on holiday and um, like, no, they didn't do anything. And then the next time we got fines and it was, I don't know, I can't remember what it was, but maybe 60 quid per kid. Um, per like day? So, per day? I can't remember if it was a per day or just per event. But anyway, I've got three kids. <laughs> it was expensive. Um, but the holiday was worth it. But it's really going to be impossible for them to enforce stuff like that now, I think. I mean, they will. They will do it because it's a way to make money. But I think it's it's a complete hypocrisy to suddenly say, well, we can, you know, we can decide when your kids don't go to school. We can decide to make them learn virtually. But actually, you don't, you can't decide, or you don't have enough wherewithal as a parent to decide whether your kid's okay to take a week out of school or not. How do they justify the fine? Like, what is the fine for? Prevention. Because if everyone was doing it and people weren't getting fined, then then they sort of people, I guess, run amok. But what, word, but, what, but what do we mean, like, when we say run amok? Like, I don't have to send my kids to school if I don't want to, do I? Uh, I think they're legally required to be in school, aren't they, from age 5 to 16? But I can, I, I can homeschool them, can't I, if I want? Yeah, but... What? No, no, no. So, so, I don't so, think it's a straight... I don't know, to, to be honest. Hell, I don't yeah. know if it's, like, if you Sorry, can just homeschool them. But I don't know if... if, if um, 
if your kid is registered at a school, then you can't just decide to homeschool them when you want. So is the fine because your kids are registered, because you're taking up a space, right? And if so, if you just start just sending them in when you fancy it, then you're fined because somebody else could have the space. Because I'm pretty sure nothing's going to happen to me. If I was to say, I don't want to send my kids to school, I ain't into stats and all that. They're going to yeah. stay home and I'm going to teach them how to I th- I think you build. Can do that. Yeah, I think you can do... I think... <laughs> build. I don't so, know why I said build. But you know what also I mean? Also, you can't build. You know, like, that's why, that's why I laughed. Yeah. But you know, like, sometimes you see these people on TV and they're like, they're normally like really rich and that. And they're like, yeah, yeah no, we decided not to send our kids to school and we took them around the world traveling and teaching yeah. them how to make houses out yeah. of bamboo. Yeah. I think you still have to follow some sort of curriculum and they have to take exams. I think they have to still be within the system. I don't know, I'm guessing. But the reason they do this, mate, is because of prevention. They they want they don't want people to take their kids out of school and they think that it's disruptive. So if they suddenly have a kid that comes back that was like, oh, I don't know what you learnt last week, I think that's why they do it. I don't believe it's right because... Um, there are always going to be situations that I think um, need to be considered. For example, if, say, the cost of holidays stayed neutral across the whole year, then fair enough, everyone can go on holiday at Christmas and Easter and summer. Fine. But what happens? What do the holiday companies oh, yeah, do? Oh, yeah, of course, Pre- yeah. yeah. They, they, they go up by over probably 150% in those periods. So yeah, yeah. what you're saying is, essentially what we're saying is poor kids, poor families don't deserve time away as much as the the more well-off families and I think that so so when a family needs to take some time out because that's the only time that they can afford and I'm not necessarily suggesting that was the reason I did it but you know what what you're going to do you're going to penalize them and uh, so I you know I can understand why the education system doesn't want you know disruption there needs some sort of predictability in terms of numbers you know as, as it relates to costs and things like that but I don't think it should be so punitive when a parent wants to basically just be a parent They're, but the schooling system is basically saying we have more authority over your child than you authority is not the right word so more responsibility for your child than you do as their parent yeah that's what I mean I think it's I think it's um, I just think it's mental that they that they can actually fine you for it right um and what I'd love to do is is to say put the onus and responsibility on the parent. So you might even say, look, your kid's going to be be away on holiday. It's your responsibility to make sure that they don't come back and disrupt the flow of the class. Therefore, they they need to kind of do this learning before they come in, or at least you know something like that, rather than a fine, which is what you know it's it's very. They're obs- well, it's judgmental, they're, isn't it? They're obsessed with attendance as well, schools. I don't know about your kids' schools, but my daughter's in her final year, year 11, so they did, like, a, an evening. Like, I don't know, they invited us in for an hour and a half, and it was called something like... Uh, I can't remember what it was called, but it was, like, how we're going to support your child in their final year, yeah? yeah? And so we went in, we met the tutor, uh, and then, like, we went and had this presentation. Now, most of the presentation was about... Your, if you keep your percentage of attendance up by like 
you've got way, way, way more chance of doing well in your GCSEs. Like there was loads of slides they showed us. Here's what happens, you know, if you go below 90%, your child's head will fall off and their legs will come off and they'll never grow back. And you, right, it was literally like that. And like they showed one slide on um, stress and it was like a picture of, like a funny picture of somebody looking too stressed. And it said, if you think your child is stressed, Email, email us here with an email, and that was it. That was the that was the only time they touched on well-being at all in the most mm. stressful year. And the rest of it was really about making sure that your attendance is like ridiculously high. I just mm. think it's. I just don't. I, that's got to come back to funding in some way. Yeah, and yeah. money. Well, well, it's funding. It's money. It's Ofsted. It's. Uh... It's it's the you know it's the private institutions managing, you know, uh, influencing uh, yeah. kind of the school management. Yeah, pathetic. Um, <laughs> as I want to mix it up, change it up a little bit now. Anyway, I didn't know how we got from storms to uh, putting the schools to rights. But that's just how we roll, isn't it? Yeah, that's how we roll. I love schools, by the way. I work with loads of them. So uh, <laughs> big shout out to all the schools I work with. <laughs> Not talking about those ones. So Not talking gosh. about those ones in particular. Uh, tell me about your week last week. You've mentioned that it was half term. Tell me how that was for you. Uh, last week was just fantastic for me. Um, probably less for my family because they had to spend more time with me than they than <laughs> they ever do. Uh, no, it was lovely, mate. I, and um, I I definitely don't want to you know make myself out to be a martyr. Um, but you know, last year was very busy and didn't have enough time off. And that was all my own doing. I chose it myself and made a commitment this year to have more time out. Not just, you know, not just to be with the family a bit more in those moments, but for my own mental health and well-being. And uh, so last week was uh, just a half-term week with the family and no work. You know, the, you know, the odd check-in, but really unusually for me I really just didn't engage in work and it was it was it was like uh you know we often talk about uh when you get down to when your phone gets down to red and mm. uh and I was probably feeling that from the end of last year and I didn't I didn't January didn't certainly make me feel any better um and I've t definitely topped up you know all the way I would say up to late 90s not quite a hundred percent um, but f feel really good um, because I just didn't think about work. I read, you know, I read a novel. I read uh, Dave Grohl's book, which was fascinating because I'm a Foo Fighters fan. Um, we... I never knew that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, he was originally in Nirvana. <laughs> it's originally in Nirvana. You've gone with Foo Fighters, but that's okay. He was actually originally in Scream. Okay. And he was a he was it was it was in the punk scene and then and then he joined Nirvana and they were only together for three years. That that sort of I didn't really even think about that how short that time was. Dave Grohl's life is very much like my own when you put it that way. Started in the punk scene, moved into the grunge scene, and now he's just an old man with long hair. <laughs> <laughs> Except he's got lots of talent. Yeah. Uh, so that was great and. Just lots of time with the family. Uh, we went. We went to London. We did a museum. We did Tate Modern. We did the kids' first meal in Chinatown and walking around Chinatown. And yeah, it was just brilliant. And funnily enough, even on Sundays, I was starting to think about coming in yesterday. 
normally I'd sort of start cramming and doing work and I just didn't. I just, you know, didn't bother. It was really good, really good. The change in you, having, this is the first time I've spoke to you since the week that you've had off. Yeah. Um, the change in you is massive. In your, you see a in your, in your, your, your what, no, in your aura and your energy, is massive, because like, uh, our friendship is like evolves quite a lot around me poking and prodding you and trying to like get you to bite in some way. But you like, that's fun because you never do. Like it yeah. never affect. Like you never really get affected by anything that I say, no. um, at any other level than, like. I don't know, try it, you know, trying to banter back, which you're shit at. Yeah. So, right? Better than, better, better than you make out. But that, probably but, not as but, good as I want to be. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but last, like, toward, well, before you went away, yeah. you was like, like a bit more, like, uh, I want to use the word abrasive. Like, you could tell that you were more sensitive to things that you wouldn't be. And I think when, when humans in general, by the way, yeah. are emotionally full, um, and desperately need a break you become way more sensitive to stuff i think i talked to you about yeah. this at one point yeah. like I, it happens to me often because of the type yeah. of person i am yeah but i know when i'm at home leah will make certain jokes and i, I know that i'm a little bit emotionally full because i won't i can't take them i don't like them yeah. i get funny about them um and you you're like the most laid back man in the world when it like you're um you're normally untouchable with and all, I spend my whole time poking and prodding trying, you, right? Trying. Just trying, yeah? And and, and so um, I can see it, in, I can feel it in your energy now that you've come back from that week, that you're back to, I can just willfully poke and prod you again and you're, you know, you just take it No, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good honestly. It was really, it was really important. I think even the last time we recorded the podcast, I was probably, I was at that peak level of, um, uh, of being impacted by stuff, which is why I think that last episode was a bit more punchy than we've had before. Because I don't think it was just about the topic. I think we both probably um, felt strongly, but and then on t layered on top of that was I was ju I was feeling a b I was tired and and probably a bit more yeah um, like clinging onto certain things. Yeah, words it was all your phrases. fault, definitely, that it got anywhere near like it did. It was all on you, but um. it actually, um, <laughs> it actually was, because you were like you were just gonna go into just your your view your version of it, and I think you said something like um, it was twelve years ago or something, and I said, well, it was still it was still forty five or something like that, and that was what turned it. But uh, just on that, I think, um, well, firstly. Uh, on social media, we we really presented it like it was going to be, you know, uh, a massive route. King versus uh, AJ. Um, but actually, who, who's who? Yeah, who's who in that Gypsy King? You're versus obviously, the Gypsy King because you, you're his <laughs> big fanboy, uh, and I look good like AJ. So there you go, uh, with teeth and brown skin. Um, but uh, what I would say is. Uh, People were a lot of people were quite underwhelmed by um, uh, by the fact that it wasn't really an argument. We just felt fairly. Who was underwhelmed? You know, call these people out. Who were they? Who was I'm underwhelmed? I'm not going to name name. I don't think that's fair. But uh, he's he he's a he's an avid listener, and, and he thought it was probably going to be a bit more fiery. 
but it's it was a really important discussion because I think where we where we went with it, um, people feel really strongly about um, about the topic of uh, what you can say, how you know how you can say it, and I think just this whole notion of deplatforming is an important conversation because uh, it's dangerous, um, but at the same time we have to look at the arguments from all sides, which is what we try to do. Um, and I think we'll continue to do that. And we'll always have things that we are totally united on and there'll be things that we disagree on. And yeah. I know I've sort of veered away from what you want to talk about. But even just having the week off gave me some space and time to reflect on that conversation and other conversations. So, um, yeah, it was really good week off. Thank you what was me. the main thing that you did then? Switch off from work? What was the main thing I did? In terms, in terms, no, in terms of last week, right? To 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 have had the, as big a change as you have in terms of the way that you feel and all that sort of stuff. What's the takeaway? What can you say to me? Go and do this. If you're gonna do, if you're gonna take a week, go and do this. What would the things you'd tell me to go and do be? Um, I would say that I I started to prep for it emotionally before I actually did it. Mm -hmm. So I knew I was looking forward, like try and look forward to the fact that you're taking time off. Don't treat it like, a, oh my God, I've got a week off, all this work I need to do. So sort of prep for it. Then it's about setting the boundaries for yourself, which for me, for the very first time I said, I'm not doing any work. I don't really care if anything happens, I'm not doing any work. And um, again, easier for me to do, I've got a great team. They, they definitely, I know, made a decision amongst themselves to keep me away from work, which was really nice of them. And I know, and I know not everyone has that uh, opportunity always, but boundaries are really important. So setting your boundaries. And then <clears throat> I think just intentionality is really important. I just knew that my intentions were to take some rest and just, you know, I just wasn't interested in work. Um, and so I wasn't picking up the phone and diving into emails. I wasn't, um, uh, you know, trying to respond to things. And then across all of that, and this may sound like a complete contradiction, knowing that I could just sort of dip in and out when I needed to, to give me a level of comfort to say, okay, I think it's fine, made like just allowed me to just, you know, carry on and enjoy my week. Did you structure that dipping in and out? Was it structured at all? Did you structure anything with your phone in terms of stopping you doing it? I don't no I didn't I didn't structure anything um, I see the value of it I see where you're going with that but I, di I didn't actually and um, and I think it's just because for me being intentional over overrode that so I just knew that I just had no interest in being constantly engaged also accountability sorry just one last thing is accountability I made a big deal to my kids of saying I'm taking the week off and I am, uh, I'm, I'm here, we're gonna do stuff, we're gonna, you know, hang out. <clears throat> and then anytime I might have been on my phone a bit too long, and actually I was reading stuff on the Kindle, but my youngest love said, Dad, you said you weren't gonna work this week. And yeah. I just put the phone down straight away. So it was that sort of accountability as well that, that definitely helped. So, so people should, yeah, sorry, did, did you wanna I do want a you to, I, I want you to recap the things that you've said, so, uh, accountability, big one. Yeah, okay, well, I think I'll just sort of start it sequentially then. So, yeah. it, like, emotionally get ready for it. So, you know, prepare yourself for winding down so you're not running into it and feeling stressed 
and have spillover if you can. Secondly is <clears throat> um, intentionality. So if you're, if you're going to um, take the week off, like really embrace it and allow yourself to, 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 to be in that space. Um, boundaries. So, you know, whether if you can do that yourself, you know, um, by setting things like, um, you know, out of works um, notices or, you know, screen times or, you know, getting people around you, your team to, you know, shield you from incoming emails and requests and tasks. Um, and then uh, accountability. Yeah. So, you know, say, say, you know, get your commitments made to people around you. Um, by filling your time up with good stuff, as well as saying to you know people, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, yeah, okay, right. And with the, what's the biggest learnings that you've had from that week? Then, as a result, the biggest learnings about yourself and how you operate on a day to day. I think the thing that kept coming back to me during the week was um, was something that, that a lot of my clients have heard me talk about a lot over the years and I, I've, I just kind of forgot to do it for myself, which is put your own oxygen mask on first. Mm. So there's so much I want to do and to give to the family. I want to improve, you know, things like our collective health and our, you know, and you know, our nutrition and, and how we spend time socially together and all those things. And rather than sort of focus on how to fix it collectively, I just realized that actually you start with yourself. So however, whatever situation you're facing, whatever challenge you have, however big it is, and you feel like there are con- you know, people connected to that, whether that's a partner or whether it's your family or whether it's your friends or your work, you start with yourself. And the thing that kind of you know, kept coming up for me was, if I don't do what I did last week, then... I can't really do all the other things that I feel like I want to and I feel responsible for. So it was just a reminder, put my oxygen mask on first. So last week was less about, honestly, less about the family. And it was really about what I needed to to get that, to be able to be in that space, to kind of be with my family. and, and all Yeah, yeah. And, and being with the family sometimes is is... And that's why it's almost like psychic, isn't it? Right, because being with the family sometimes is exactly what you need to come back to yourself. Yeah, and also sometimes you need to come back to yourself in order to be with the family. Yeah, I think it is definitely part. It's definitely one of the things that fed my soul. Yeah, for sure. But um, if you have to ladder up and and do your prioritization, you just always have to put your own oxygen mask on first. And that might even be a small endeavor. It might be a five minute meditation. It might be take yourself for a walk around the block or whatever it is. But um, you've got to start there to be able to then give oxygen to other people around you. And how do you plan to do that going forward? Is it a case of in the environment that you work in and the role that you do within your own business and all that kind of stuff? Is it a case of just knowing when you've hit the red and then doing what you've done? Or do you, do you feel like there's things that you can take away and implement? Let me just give you a bit of context for why I asked that. In the space that I work in, there's a lot of people online. Like, I see it on LinkedIn now. A big thing to do on LinkedIn is to, like, be anti-grueling work schedules and be anti, like, high stress and, you know, every working environment you should just be, you know, sat in the lotus position 
on your laptop and at any time that you feel like you've gone out of the green zone you should be shutting your laptop and you know sitting on the Himalayas right and I'm sort of purposely being a bit over the top of it all right um but I feel like it's completely unrealistic like we've talked a little bit about this in the past I wouldn't be able I wouldn't be in the position that I'm in today able to take days off when the kids were off last week for example and all go out and have breakfast one financially I wouldn't have been in that place and two I wouldn't have been able to come away from the work that I was doing right but I wouldn't be in that place if I didn't work grueling work schedules and have a like level of high stress so is there a happy medium am I full of shit and everybody should reach a place where they're not working grueling schedules what's the crack has tell me you want the answer? You want the uh, secret sauce? I, I don't, firstly, I don't think there's one size that fits all yeah. situations. Um, I think... Uh, oh, well, you started by asking, like, what have I learned? What will I do differently? So maybe yeah. I'll start there and, and then, you know... So so for me, I made, I made a pre-commitment to taking more time out this year. And actually, that's just... What that is, is just what normally people do which is take some holiday time out in the year so I've got that booked out in advance um, the other thing that um, I was able to do last week was to reflect on what was draining my time that felt of low value to me and you've talked about like when when I say to you oh I don't feel like I've got time to do some of these things I want to you said yeah you do you're just you're just choosing to spend it on things like social media Mm. or procrastinating or you know whatever Netflix and so um, I have uh, delisted myself from certain platforms I'm not on Facebook anymore you know because that like even though I wasn't really doing much of that anymore just it, it just wasn't adding any value I've bought books I've you know I, I, and I've, I have physical books as well so they're around me so they're, they're a reminder there so visual reminders of visual cues are really important. So it's not all digital and, and hoping that you get back to that place. Um, and uh, just knowing that there are moments when I just need to turn everything off and go downstairs. So uh, that's sort of where I'm at. And it's, a, it's an ongoing thing. In terms of uh, get to the red zone and take a break, I think I've just already explained that that doesn't work. It doesn't work to burn yourself out and then hope a week will recover. It just doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Prevention is way more effective than a cure. It do, a cure doesn't really work where you work yourself to the bone and then you think, okay, well, there's two weeks. It has a, it has a short term effect, but you've got to keep topping it up. So I think being proactive, and uh, I think the biggest learning for me is look at what's draining your time that's low value. Because that's the thing that will make a difference and get mm. rid of it or, 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 or reduce it as much as possible. And be really brave about the things that you know aren't adding value because oftentimes you think they are because you may be looking at social media and consuming content and all those sorts of things because you think, oh, that's where my friends are at, that's how people are interacting socially. But it is not something, um, if it's not something that's adding value to you it's expendable and just fill it with something that will add value i've read more books in the last week than i did really last year have you finished the uh uh johan harry one yet no 
I chose not to because I, I felt like I didn't want to go near work books. And that yeah. felt like, even though it was it's a personal self-development thing, I felt like I was trying to take work stuff and I keep talking about it in all my coaching. I just wanted to escape last week. So, so I went into the life of a rock star and uh, you know, I read this other book, which is great. What did um, you read? The Tiger Came to Tea? Did you read it? <laughs> uh, that is one of my favorite books i think there's a lot of hidden meaning behind that one who who is the tiger josh um oh what is the hidden uh, meaning then i've only read that oh, 982 no. look times, it up. i'm not going to go on, uh, into it now but there was yeah there was there was talk about <laughs> i'm not even going to go into it but oh yeah, tell me no you can't yeah, do well, that Wait. well they reckon they reckon um they reckon that the mum was uh was uh, having an affair, having some affairs because she said, "Oh, it's not today. Uh, it's not uh, the, the 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 post boy usually comes on Tuesdays, or the milkman comes on Thursdays." And yeah, I mean, it's just stupid <laughs> conspiracy theories. Anyway, I read a book called C- City of Thieves, which was by a guy called uh, David Benioff, who was one of the writers of Game of Thrones. Ah, uh, never seen it. Um, never seen the Game of Thrones. So, okay, did you want a reaction to that? No, uh, no, no, no. The reason Maybe I said it twice is because the reason I said it twice is because I've completely lost my trail of thought of where I was <laughs> going to go. Uh, I want to bring it back to what we were talking about in terms of the last week, because I think for like a lot of the change that people need to make are like micro changes. We often think of like making these big, massive changes, right? And everybody, and I see it in the space that I work in, you know obviously people in the mental health space are trying to sell things right so they'll talk about these big sort of mental health uh like regimes that you implement into a workspace and i genuinely when i look at it i think it's it's way less about that and way more about the micro changes that you make and particularly particularly on like an organizational level I think we're going to turn a lot of people off from wanting to even look at this stuff by saying you can't, you know, you're don't bother getting in a, you know, a webinar or don't bother getting in, don't bother getting in mental health first aiders if you're constantly making people work grueling schedules. And I think like when you're young and hungry and in your career, surely you want a fucking grueling work schedule. Like that's you want that, don't you? There's times when I when I've got the bit between my teeth, that's exactly what I want. I want to go some. I want to work hard. And I think when I know I'm going to be doing that, it's more about like what micro changes can I make? Yeah. Like a, a big micro change for me, for example, or a big micro thing that I do is I won't work past five o'clock for, unless it's delivery or traveling. So I won't do admin stuff. Right. There's no I will say and this is just personal and it's different for everybody. Right. But personal to me is I should not be responding to emails past five o'clock. There's no good reason for that. I don't care if it's Friday and somebody's just emailed at five o'clock. I'll go back Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Like things like that for me, they're like micro changes. I, I have for me, it's quite a big thing. I have a big space in the morning before I start anything work related. But I think everybody should you shouldn't be looking at your work emails before you've brushed your teeth or something like that. Do you know what I mean? And actually those micro changes can have massive impact. And then when I look at like an organizational level, shout out to Ollie and everybody at Unknown, right? But he does a lot like there where he, you know, he, as an organization, they're fast growing, you know, the, the nature of the business that they work in is like grueling, you're on a lot. 
So rather than saying, well, let's pretend that we can get to a place where you're not on a lot, right? And you don't work. It's like, what can we implement around it? He does a regular space with me, for example, once a month and has other small little things that are implementing, implemented within the business to offset that. And I think that's more realistic than believing that you can, you know, make these massive radical changes where nobody well, works hard. I agree with what you're saying about the tiny changes um, and the micro habits and because they build over time, don't they? Like if a little change then becomes a, a, a habit over time, the habit then yields the benefit. And that's the whole notion of atomic habits, James Clear and, and tiny habits, BJ Fogg. And, and I really love that. And actually thinking about some of these tiny little adjustments, like having physical reminders of books around as opposed to just hoping that I might find it on the Kindle on my phone or on the actual Kindle um, are just those little micro things that just makes me change my behavior so that I agree with um, in terms of the grueling um, uh, work schedule uh, I think it really depends on context like mm. if it's something that you're really motivated by and passionate about particularly if it's your own thing, as it is ours, then yeah, you do, you throw yourself in and then you can decide when you kind of stop or not. But when, when a, a lot of what we see is because it's outside of people's control. So we, do we talk about control the controllables, right? So if it's within your boundary of control, if you can make those adjustments, do it. And don't spend too much energy on the things you can't control. So, so that's why it's really important to take steps to do what you can in, in the areas that are within your control. Because you can't always change the volume of workload that's coming within an organization. Now, let's take, for example, I, I love what Ollie's doing and he's growing a business uh, in the right way. And, you know, and the teams sound like they really, you know, love what they do. But when you've got like a big enterprise that, uh, you know, that's kind of really, you know, driving for efficiency or driving at scale or, you know, all the things that really make an organization creak. Sometimes you just don't have the level of support or uh, the level of autonomy to be able to, um, to kind of, you know, to make some changes. So it's kind of, it's relentless. And, uh, and if you're not, you know, driving for passion, if it's not something that, you love doing then you probably sometimes feel a little bit like I've got nowhere to go with it so I think the context uh, is really important so let um, me just ask you based on what you've said there whose responsibility yeah. is that then because if, if because if a grueling schedule is okay if you love what you do but it's not if you don't love what you do if you go into an organization and you say well that's not fair on this person because they don't love what they do and it's a grueling schedule there's part of me, and I'm just throwing this out here because we're exploring it, right? I don't know what the right and wrong answer is here. But there's part of me that thinks, that's not the manager's fault that you don't like what you, you're in the wrong job. Okay, but then it, so let's, let's say n not everyone has the same level of choice at an equitable level. So some people have to be in those jobs because they've got to pay the bills. Yeah. And so it's not just as straightforward as saying, I've, I've got to leave. Now, the question was, who's responsible? I think responsibility always primarily starts with the individual. Mm. What am I going to be accountable for to, to myself? So what boundaries am I going to set? What conversations do I need to have? Who do I need to escalate to? How can I, how can I change the environment in which I'm unhappy? And that may be leaving a job. It may just be having a conversation, maybe 
shifting your job responsibilities. It may even just be flagging that you're unhappy. And then once you are doing that as well, you've got an organizational level of responsibility and they may run in parallel, but the organization has a responsibility to provide the right working environment to help their people to thrive, right? And so if they know that say people are contracted for 37 and a half hours, but they know the way that they work and, the, and, and their expectations means that people have to, there's no choice but to work in excess of 50 hours, then the organization has a responsibility either to compensate them appropriately for the extra or to find ways to reduce that almost you know, implicit expectation of you have to work plus 50 hours, even though we only pay you for this amount. Yeah, that has, that is perfectly, perfectly put. Uh, and I wouldn't argue with that at all, right? Um, because it, 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 the answer to the, to the original question, right, is both. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. The, you have your own personal responsibility. But I think it's just that, the, so, but what your answer does is, is, is not say that necessarily grueling work schedules are wrong. It's yeah. how everybody that are involved in those grueling work schedules are showing up. Because there's two pieces to the puzzle, right? You have the people that you've just talked about that are kind of st almost stuck in a job, right? Because they're there because yeah. they kind of have to be and they don't have... The, the, the choice around that's really, really small. I think there's always yeah. a, a certain amount of choice, right? But the choice is really, really small for them. And they're yeah. working grueling schedules. And then the organisation definitely has a responsibility to, 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 you know, implement something to offset, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think yeah. there is an, uh, another end of the spectrum that is kind of emerging out of the conversations that we're having, which is like where there's people that are, uh, that know that there's organizations that know that their schedules are, are grueling and quite high stress and they are implementing lots of different things, but then they're getting people coming to them within the organization saying, this, this schedule's too grueling for me, right? Uh, and it's costing me my mental health or something like that, right? Something that right. they've read online. And then yeah. and, th and th then that leader or the management team there are thinking, yeah, but that's part of this job. And we've given you that space here and we've given you that space here and we allow you to do X, Y, and Z. You can't now come to me and just cite that you don't want to, if you don't want to do a grueling schedule and you can't do it under these kind of decent circumstances that we've set, then you need to do something about it. And I do worry a little bit that we're in a bit of a place where as soon as somebody mentions mental health or I don't know, anxiety or something, people yeah. are getting scared because yeah. because it just, you know, it's we're getting to that, we, we, if we're not careful, we're in that space where you can't counter somebody and say, it, you know, if it's costing you your mental health yeah. under these circumstances, yeah. it's, it's something within you. Have I yeah. made sense I think, there? I don't want yeah, to sound Yeah, I think we've talked about this on the, on the pod before, haven't we? Um, and I think uh, there is, we're in, we're, in the, we're in the eye of a, a transitional moment, I think, in, in, in the world of work, mm. in moving from, in being sort of forced to move to virtual and now trying to emerge and say, what, what is the new kind of space that we're going to be operating in? Is it, is it, um, is it fully is it fully virtual is it hybrid is it should it be a return to offices and we're still trying to figure that out and the impact of being of looking at a screen and not having serendipitous moments and always feel like you're being watched and judged and uh, you know how you show up and you know difficult conversations and all those things are still things that we need to um, assess 
and understand. And I think that is what we're in the middle of at the moment. Um, and so there has been a much more focus around mental health and boundaries and what people expect to be, you know, people have definitely got more democracy around how they work than they did before. Mm. I think that's a good thing, but I think it has probably, um, we're not anywhere near the end of that conversation. I, I think it's imbalanced. Yeah. I do think there are, there is a risk really um, in uh, organisations, employers operating out of fear and making the wrong calls. Mm. And I think we still need to, you know, figure out what's what's right. And but you know, work is not easy. Work is, you know, there it is supposed to be, you know, stretching and challenging. And um, it's just when it's just when companies take the piss that you know uh, that it really starts to give a bad name. And there's a lot of companies and organisations out there that really do take the piss. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's just, you know, we sort of have this understanding that you need, we talked about it, that you need to come out of your comfort zone a little bit, right? In order yeah. to, to grow and be successful. Yeah. So, so, so you've got to be careful that you don't just try and create a world where you're sitting in your comfort zone all the time, not letting anything make you uncomfortable, right? Because that's yeah. not a world that works either. And I wonder, it's probably, it's too deep a question for now in terms of where we're at with the time. But I do wonder if technology will ever start to make the world easier. Because, like, in reality, really, the more that we start to get, quote-unquote, robots doing the work that we once did, there should be more time for socialising and play, right? Like, if you, like, the most obvious examples, if you look in supermarkets and stuff, right, people don't really need to be on the tills anymore, do they? You can have, you can have somebody, you know, one or two people running 10 to 15 tills, right? So if you, like, take that, that I give that one because it's a real easy visual, on a, on a like a broader scale, if things continue in the way that they are, we should reach a world where you work for one or two days a week and everything else is done, right? Like broadly speaking, but we don't yeah. go there, do we? Technology seems to actually be in some ways doing the opposite, like making us all more stressed and like we have less time available to us, right? So we're not doing it right. Some, somewhere along the line, if you if you look at it in that way, we ain't doing it right, are we? Well, it's it's kind of suggesting that that technology is kind of built and developed and maintained for social good, and it's not. It's built for commercial benefit and capitalism, really. So, like everything about, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like when you talk about machines take you know doing jobs. That's around creating efficiencies, right? So, yeah, the, the, you know the plus side is that people have time. You know, but the negative side to that is they're not getting paid because they don't have a job. Yeah. You know? So that's why they got the time. So when you create these kind of wealth gaps or just perpetuate the wealth gap, um, that you know, it's just gonna yeah. It's, capitalism it's has it all comes back to capitalism, doesn't I it? No, mate. It's yeah. interesting yeah. because oh, I was going to talk. We've run out of time, so we're not going to talk about it. But the fact that all the restrictions are about to end, right? And I keep hearing people say that it's going to hurt the vulnerable the most. It's going to put the vulnerable most at risk, right? And I like sort of think to myself, well, that might be true, but we literally live in a society that is built around making the vulnerable more at risk, right? That is literally yeah. how society... Yeah, that's what we do, yeah. That, like, that's everything. It's not just COVID. Everything's mm. built like that, right? And I, like, it mm. it baffles me a little bit that um, people don't see it. How do you, very quickly, before we go on to reasons to be sure, how do you feel about all the restrictions ending? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I said it last time when you asked me, do I wear a mask? I'm, I'm ready for 
it to to um just to give it a go it's a very personal opinion and i know not everyone that listens to this pod is ready and that's and i respect that and i know you respect that uh from my perspective i um yeah i'm happy about it do you know what i also think as well just like um restrictions aren't necessarily ending like i dislike boris more than anyone right or as much as anyone but he's not saying if you've got covid uh you can go out and spread it now he's just saying that 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 they're not going to be it's not going to be law like we're not going to be in control of it okay but that's like uh, i know we're sort of running out of time but that's kind of then like the same as don't you know like no rules saying don't go to the beach but then when people went to the beach they were like hitting them hard for going to the beach and being irresponsible so what we'll point to is is that place where it's not law but then they'll still point to you being irresponsible and i think that's a dangerous place to be do we not do that with a lot of things like i don't know flu and uh like general sickness just like like, what like what's you know if restrictions if you you look at restrictions are ending aren't they they are ending. yeah 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 but and i i don't want the government to be in charge of me and my body yeah. and like i don't want it to be i think law. we know that already josh <laughs> but i don't want it to be law that you know if yeah. i've got a cold like the, yeah. i can get arrested if i go out for it so yeah, we're, we're not saying don't do it we're just saying like let's not make everything controlled by law all of the time yeah but but when you asked the question when you said restrictions aren't ending they are because the law currently is in place and they will be gone, so the restrictions are technically ending. Yeah. Then it just becomes about what we used to do before, which is just use sound judgment. What? The, yeah. And 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 when we all, when most people reflect on the life before, they look on it. I think, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Willingly, like it was a better world before COVID. Yeah. What a Didn't rude it? awakening we're gonna get. It wasn't that much better. <laughs> Yeah, um, anyway, uh, yeah, so the restrictions are ending. We're about to go to, uh, have a massive war. Um, but we've talked, well, we've, talked about, we've, talked about, we've talked about micro changes that we can all make in our yeah. lives. Yeah. Uh, which leads us nicely on to... I very purposely did that, by the way, because I didn't want to go doom and gloom. So, uh, And I'm a good person. So you I've are proved, a good person. I've proved that so today. So you yourself. I've proved that today by bringing this topic... Uh, Reasons to be cheerful, Hass. Have we talked about yours throughout the whole episode? Has it been based around your reasons to be cheerful? I mean, or- I am very cheerful at the moment. That's a, you know, that's that's a, a fact. But uh, my reasons to be cheerful is is reading. <laughs> um, I've just really enjoyed getting back. Sorry, hang on, hang on, hang on. Just just yeah, reverse reading. a little bit. Reading. Yeah. That's it. That's the reading. title. That's my reason. Yeah. Fucking hell, you have you are laid back now, aren't you? I am. I am. <laughs> my brain's not engaged. It's just it's a it's a wonderful time to it's a wonderful way to to spend your time you know to just immerse yourself into someone's um, uh, writing and I really you know I just think I'd sort of forgotten how powerful I spent the last few years really reading nonfiction and business books or personal development books and I I enjoy them you know they they grow me as a person but to read novels and to kind of read biographies and people's journeys and things like that. Um, I'd just forgotten. I hadn't done it for a long time and I'm I'm really enjoying it. I'm sort of powering through quite a few books at the moment. I like it. I like it. I'm yeah. currently reading Mistakes Were Made But Not By Us. Mm. Have you heard of that book? 
No. It's Who's about it it's about how I can't remember who's written it. Oh. Uh but it's about how um we self justify. So like the quote is from like when governments say mistakes were made but we you know, but not by us. Yeah. Um but it's actually talks about how they're not necessarily actively lying. It's the way, and they've like looking at like studies and like science and that over history of how actually we will will always make ourselves right, and how we adapt our memory and our memory's not always true. And yeah, it's really good, interesting. Wow, that sounds interesting. Uh, good. My reasons What's to be cheerful yours? has yeah. is COA week twenty twenty two and how big it was and how massive it was uh, and what we achieved. Once upon a time, we needed. Um, press any you know press coverage uh and what we proved this year is that we didn't need it though we did you know i did a piece on sky news that went out this weekend uh did a piece on lbc radio that went out this weekend but they were like at the end of coa week uh and throughout coa week we did some massive things i was back at parliament um having a discussion about where we go from here how we make sure that the government funds children in this way because they cut the funding last year so it's back to zero funding um so yeah we was at parliament it's weird mate it was me sophie k who's a kerrang presenter probably you're probably a big fan actually now that you're back into dave Grohl. um uh arabella who is a journalist uh jane alson who's a like award-winning author Jonathan Ashworth, who's work and pension secretary now, or shadow secretary. Uh, Callum Best, uh, who we all know, George Best's son. Uh, and then Liam Byrne, and we were all, who's MP. So we're all in this room, and I just like, I'm in there thinking, there's no other way that this group of people could come together like this, mm-hmm. right, than, than, mm-hmm. than how we were joined. And it's weird, mate. I chaired that at Parliament. Like, I ran the whole thing for two hours. Wow. Um, that's incredible. We had about, you know, 150 people live with us on Zoom as well. So and we were inviting questions from them. Uh, and then I did, um, on the Thursday, I came together with the leaders in the field from all over the world. And I hosted a two-hour thing online, right? Which was like, we had people from Finland, USA, uh, India, all coming together to talk about best practice and stuff. Uh, and then on Friday, I did a live interview. Well, I was supposed to do a live interview with Geraldine James. Who's Geraldine James? She is uh, a very famous actor. Actress. Uh, no, I don't. G- Google oh. her, you'll know who it is. Um, okay. right. well, I've not got anything more to give you than that. Uh, but uh, anyway, she got had a bad signal. So um, she, had a power cu- she had a power cut because of Storm Ewing. Uh, <laughs> the windy, the, uh, the windy uh, vibes. Yeah, yeah. But she did come on. She managed to come on, and and yeah. So it's nice, mate. But yeah, just a massive week, um, and it, you know, it's really positive. The murmurings of where we're going to go in terms of funding, and the fact that I think we will make sure that we get it again. So. What, what's amazing, Josh? Uh, you know, is COA and Nakoa is kind of what really moved you into this world of helping other people right yeah, yeah and through your own journey and it started with you with them helping you then you kind of becoming uh, you know uh, an advisor on the on the, on the phone to then becoming an ambassador and, and being a spokesperson to now you know leading the conversation 
on on transformative change. I mean, it's incredible, mate. And I'm it's honestly, mental, I'm, mate. You know, yeah. I'm really, really happy for you, but I'm really proud of you as well for 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 doing this work. And I know how important this week is to you. So yeah. I'm just delighted that it's 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 come up today. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. And what a way to end? What a way to end? What's been a very good episode, Hass. Uh, people should go and leave us a review, shouldn't they? Do we normally say that now? We do. <laughs> Where, sh- where should they leave us a review? Only on um, Apple or wherever they listen yeah. to us, because you can't on Spotify. Or, or leave us comments on our Insta, which is at 115milespod. Yeah, and we've had some great content on there this week. Yeah. Uh, take care, everybody. Bye. Thanks again for listening to 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Khan. <laughs>